0: The following program is sponsored by New Covenant Church, Greater Heights. Christ didn't simply heal a paralyzed man. He transformed him, both physically and spiritually. Those who are saved understand the very physical and spiritual relationship they have with Jesus Christ. If you know this, want this for someone else, or for yourself, keep listening. The transformative power of Christ with Pastor
1: John Allworth starts now. Good afternoon, Southeast Texas. It is good to be with you again. This is Pastor John Allworth, and I am here live in the KKHT studios. um, And I would like to go to prayer, because we should always start everything in our lives with prayer. Father God, I just come to you today with just great humility on my heart. Uh, You are such a wonderful, loving, uh, gracious God. Um, I just ask that the words that are spoken here today, Holy Spirit, I ask that they be yours And that they fall upon open ears, open hearts, and open minds. And uh, we just pray all these things in the mighty name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. All right. So we're going to talk today. We're we're in a series at New Covenant Church, Greater Heights, on intimacy. And uh, we talked last night and a little bit last week about an intimate, uh, on this radio program, about a more intimate look into the Bible and about... uh, looking at the Bible in a little bit different way, opening up our horizons. Uh, We talked last week uh, about the difference between uh, the Western approach and the Eastern approach. And I want to expand on that a little bit if I could today. And then I want to talk to you about some things that you may have never realized about the Bible that give us some hidden treasures that God has done. God is so majestic. And I think these things go to show that they're just one more example of the richness and complexity of God's inspired world word excuse me and we're going to talk in particular about something called chiasms and the chiastic patterns that we see particularly in the Old Testament and then if we have time we're going to get into the intimacy because this is what it's really all about and our intimacy with Jesus Christ intimacy with God and the kind of relationship he wants because you know uh, God doesn't isn't looking for perfect people because he wouldn't find anybody. He's looking for intimate relationships and he wants a relationship with us. That, that is, uh so much more intimate than, than uh, it's sad that all too many people don't have this type of relationship. He really, he really is. He loves and really is obsessed with every single one of us. His God is omniscient and he is omnipresent. He is everywhere and he wants a relationship beyond anything that you've probably ever imagined before with you. And that relationship is available. So let's talk about this, what I'm talking about with the Bible. And we talked about this last night at New Covenant Church. We meet at Sunday nights at 6 p.m. We had a wonderful service last night. You know, it's a great opportunity to come in and and get supercharged and get prepared for the week ahead. You know, even if you're a member of another church and you just want to Another place to to spend some time with the Lord on a Sunday evening. You're welcome to come join us. Uh, we've got wonderful praise and worship, and uh, you know we believe in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. We're a spirit-filled, non-denominational, uh, Bible-based church. So we talked about the Bible, and I want to talk about that today. First, let me talk about. Uh, let me say one thing as a preface, because I don't want anybody to be confused by um, what I'm talking about or or what I'm saying. First of all, this Bible is a living, breathing document. It is the Word of God, the sword of truth. It is the Word of God. It, it is inerrant. It is perfect. It is inspired by God, and uh, that's that's what we believe at our church, and that is the truth. Okay, but I do I do think sometimes we can expand our look at the Bible in a way that we're not trained to do classically here in the West. So I want to talk a little bit about Eastern versus Western approaches. Because, in, what I mean by that is, at the time the Bible was written, you know, it was written by Jews. It was written by Jewish people. It was written for a Jewish audience. With the exception of, of Luke and, and and Acts, it was written by people that were Jewish, and you know, at that point they they divided things between Hebrew and Greek, and you know, Hebrew is the Jewish tradition, and Greek is us in the Western world, and so. Some of these, what I'm going to talk to you about today, come from the Midrash, which is the rabbinical study of the text of the Old Testament. Um, And some of it's just going to come from just different worldviews. And it's not that one worldview is better than the other. Uh, I'm so glad that I grew up in the West and uh, God put me where he wanted me to be and where my purpose is, and I'm, I'm not complaining about that at all. But some of my studies have revealed some things that you know, I, t- I explained it, if you're familiar at all with the, with the piano, the left hand plays the chords and, and the bass runs, and the right hand plays the melody. Like uh, I play the guitar, for example, and the same thing, I can play chords on a guitar and then sing the melody of the song. If I just play the chords, you're not going to necessarily recognize the song unless you recognize the rhythm. And same thing on a piano. If I just play the left hand of the piano, you're not going to recognize the song. Then we add the melody, the particular notes on the right hand, and it becomes a symphony. And I hope that what I tell you today provokes a little thought about a new way to study and look at the Bible. Okay, so let's look at the Western. In the Western world, we express when we talk about words, we express truth using words, definitions. We prefer prose. We like outlines, lists, bullet points. And I love this because I'm a lawyer by training and so, you know, I want to prove everything in a bullet point. And, you know, in fact, right now I'm talking to you from a list that's an outline. It's a bullet point. And, and that's, that's my orientation. That's my training. Nothing wrong with that at all. In the Eastern world, they express truth with word through pictures and stories. They prefer poetry, imagery, symbolism. It's just a little bit different way of looking at things. Numbers, for example. We see numbers as quantity. And you could say, well, what else could numbers be? They are quantity. Well, they look at them sometimes as symbols. You know, there are a lot of numbers in the Bible that are repeated over and over again, 47, I mean, three, I can go on and on and on. They look at them as symbols. In the Western world, we try to prove the existence of God. In the Eastern world, at least back at the time of the Bible, they assumed the existence of God. But we try to prove it. I went to a lecture at a wonderful place called the Lanier Theological Library this weekend, and it was one of the world's leading apologists. Uh, um uh, apologetics is is the study that comes from way back in time apologetics is the study of trying to prove th- the christian faith and the way we do that in the west is we look at facts so for example this this gentleman who's a world renowned scholar talks about the fact that Over 500 people saw Jesus after he was resurrected, and that proves his divinity. That's a fact. The 12 saw him. Other people saw him. Over 500 people saw him. You can't dispute that. That is a historical fact, and it proves his divinity. We look at creeds and doctrines. Um, You know, Christianity is is unique in saying, love your enemies. Uh, Christianity is, in fact, unique in that, that we are based on historical fact, You know, these things happen. They've been demonstrated throughout history, which, of course, to me, Bruce, that we worship the one true God. Um, In in the Western world, we look on the nature of the being. We want to know who is God? What is his character? And again, there's nothing wrong with that. That's a wonderful way to look at things. But the Eastern world, they focus on the nature of the relationship. And that's a great way to look at things, too. So... Uh, You know, in the East, in the Western world, again, we look at creeds, doctrines, belief statements, proof texting, historical evidence. Eastern, it's faith is relational. No attempt to rationalize. And, you know, that's one of the things that I I feel so blessed about because my faith is also relational. I didn't live for God for much of my life. I didn't know Jesus Christ. And that's why this program is in part at least called the transformative power of God because I have a relationship with Jesus Christ that transformed my life. So I can identify with this, and I'm sure many of you can too, if not all of you. You've seen how God's moved in your life. So I don't mean to imply that these things are exclusively Western or Eastern, but there is a a little bit different emphasis. And so um, there are things in the Bible that I never realized, even as I began to study it deeply, particularly in the Old Testament. There's something called a chiasm. And, And let me explain to you what a chiasm is. Here's a simple one. When the tough... When the going gets tough, the tough get going. It reverses itself. It's a mirror. You can fold it together. When the going gets tough, the tough get going. Okay, let me give you a few simple examples out of the Bible. Mark 2:27, "The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath." It's a mirror of each other. Matthew 23:12, one of my favorite scriptures because it has so much meaning in my own life. "Whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and whoever humbles himself will be exalted." It's a mirror. So again, chiastic patterns, these are just one more example of the richness and complexity of God's inspired word. And I think you're going to see this unfold. I hope I can explain this over the radio. There's uh, sometimes visuals help, but just I'm going to follow me, please follow me. So there are 81 chiasms in Genesis alone, 81 chiasms as we go through the 50 chapters of Genesis alone. So, not only is this Bible, as it goes through and, and all the the prophecies and 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 words that were spoken prove what happened in the singular figure of Jesus Christ, not only is it a continuous story that tells us about God's attempts to relate with us, about His creation, what He's done to save a people for himself, not only do we have this incredibly consistent narrative that again uh, absolutely proves the divinity of Jesus Christ if we look at all the all the all the prophecies about who this person would be and how they all came singularly true in Jesus Christ but also this incredible because you could take all of the authors that ever lived homer tolstoy name to pick any great author that ever lived human author and there's no way that they could have done this uh, could have come up with these chiastic patterns there's just no way so let's take the first chiasm we see it's in the creation story uh, the first day, God separates light and darkness. That matches the fourth day when he creates the sun and the stars and the moon. The second day, God separates water and sky. That matches the fifth day as God begins to fill water and sky. The third day and the sixth day match together with land and plants. And you can go back and study this, but there's, they match. They fold it onto one another. It's a chiasm. And then the seventh day, God rested. Now, within these chiasms, there are treasures. For example, the, in the very middle of Genesis, the creation story, is the word moed, which means seasons. God created seasons. He had seasons where, where he created things, and this God that knew how to create and what was good, and he said it was good, it was good, it was good, and then at the very end, he said it was very good when he created man in his own image, and then he rested on the seventh day. Just so beautiful. It's just, it's just it's just intricate, incredible poetry. Now let's go to the last chiasm in the Bible. If we if you turn your Bible to to uh, chapter fifty of Genesis, it's Joseph's last days and death. I'll give you this is a simple one, an example. In fifty verse twenty two and twenty three, Joseph it says he lived a hundred and ten years. In fifty twenty four, it says there was a prophecy about about his brothers. In 5025, we hear God's will for his brothers, so those fold together and match. And then again in 5026, it says Joseph died at 110 years. It folds together. So there's the first A is the age of 110, and B is words towards his brothers. These are repeated throughout. There is a chiasm in verses 1 through 11. We see Genesis 1 through 11. We see Genesis 1, the creation story corresponds to Genesis 6, Noah's Ark. I don't have time to, go to explain exactly how these correspond, but if you go and study it, you will see. Genesis 2 and 3, Adam and Eve, as they were banished from the garden, that corresponds to Genesis 9 and 10, as Noah curses his grandson uh, for, for, him, for what happened with him. In Genesis 4, we see Cain and Abel, where we see chaos. In Genesis 11, we see the Tower of Babel. In Genesis 5, the genealogy of Noah, amazingly enough, there's a, it matches a chiasm of, of the genealogy in Genesis 11b, the genealogy of Abram. And right at the center of this chiasm are the words, is the word Noah. Which means he rests. Remember, I told you about resting. Back, how important that is. You know, I, I, I when I preach this, I'm preaching to myself. I don't rest enough. We need to rest because God wants an intimate relationship with each one of us. He wants time alone with each one of us, and that's what we're going to preach next week. I'm going to try to get into that a little bit tonight and give you a preview. I'm not sure I'm going to have time, but God wants an intimate relationship with us. So, when I was doing these studies, I read this from a, from a commentator. He said, here in the center of the chiasm sits a verse about a man whose name is He Rests. If you're, what God's trying to tell us in this story, in the beginning creation story of Genesis, is he's asking us to trust him. Cain didn't trust him. When, when, when Cain was, God didn't receive his sacrifice the way Abel, uh, he did Abel, Cain, he, he, God told Cain, why are you downcast and angry? Don't be like that. We talked about this last week. Just do better tomorrow. It'll be okay. Don't let this sin, the shame and guilt of what you did today hold you down. Same thing with Adam and Eve. You know, there's consequences to sin, but he didn't. He banished them, yes, but but then he clothed them. He met them where they were. So if you're willing to be somebody that can find a place of rest and not become obsessed with your own fears, with your own insecurities, obsessed with the threats of broken relationships of the people around you, If you can learn to be like God and stop when it's good, don't be like Adam and Eve and and not practice self-control. God told them not to do one thing, and they did it. You've got to stop. You've got to know when to say enough. Then God's going to be able to use you. Now, this one really blows my mind. There's a chiasm of the first five books of the Old Testament, the Pentateuch. Genesis matches Deuteronomy. We've got land, seed, and blessing. Exodus, we see the Exodus and the tabernacle at the end of it. In Numbers, we see the tabernacle in the land of promise going into into Israel. And then in the middle of that, tucked in the middle of it, is Leviticus living in the presence of God. The, The first five books are a chiasm. They are throughout the Bible. And again, that just brings the complexity, the richness of God's Word. If you begin to study it, not just for the factual basis, the Western basis, okay, here's the facts A, B, C, D, but look at how beautiful God has designed His Word and how meaningful it is. And, you, and if you study deeper, I hope I can't begin to, to tell you all the treasures that are in these chiasms, but I hope that maybe I can inspire you to look into this a little more deeply so that you can begin to see. the, the, the And we talked about some of the treasures last week. Now, I want to also talk today because we're on this series of intimacy at New Covenant Church Greater Heights. Let me, let's me let play. take a break and invite you to, to New Covenant Church Greater Heights if we could. Sunday nights in the Heights. Have you been looking for a place to worship on Sunday evenings? This is Pastor John Allworth of New Covenant Church Greater Heights, and I want to invite you to attend our Sunday evening services at 6 p.m. We are a non-denominational, spirit-filled, Bible-based church located in the heart of the Heights at 240 West 18th Street, 77008. Are you looking to deepen your walk with the Lord, looking to get in on the ground floor of a new church that believes in the transformative power of the Word of the Lord and the joy and peace experienced through an intimate relationship with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ? You know, the Bible is full of stories in Scripture regarding the power of fellowship, Acts 2.42, where the new church devoted themselves to the teaching of the apostles and to fellowship and to prayer. End your weekend by experiencing the joy of worshiping the Lord and kickstart your week ahead with an encouraging biblical message. Sunday nights in the Heights, we can't wait to meet you. You know, that's true. We can't make to wait to meet you. I, you know, let me cap what I just said off about this, these beautiful, uh, it's ancient form of poetry, this chiasm and the treasures that are found in the Bible. I'm sure if, if you've read your Bible many times, you know, you can read a, a chapter or a verse for the 10th time and all of a sudden you see something new because the Bible is so wondrous. And that's what I want you to encourage people. God wants this intimate relationship with you. And one of the ways we get there is is by reading his word and by studying it and learning about it. And that's what we're trying to inspire people to do at New Covenant Church Greater Heights. But he also wants an intimate relationship with you that goes beyond just reading his word. He wants to spend time with you. He wants to spend an important time with you. You know, we're going to talk this week coming up about uh, Matthew chapter 26, verse, beginning of verse seven, Mark 14:3 and Luke 7:37. This, of course, is the story of the woman who comes in and pours the very expensive oil on Jesus. And his disciples see this and they are outraged and they ask him, this could have been sold at a high price and the money given to the poor. In fact, we see in Mark 14 where it's a year's wages and Jesus says, no, but he was being prepared for burial. This was this anointing, this power that is represented in the anointing was so special. This woman recognized who he was and and this anointing. She wanted to, the most personal of relationships with him. And that's what Jesus wants with you. And in Luke seven thirty-seven, we see that where so much is given. We've been forgiven so much. There's so much love in that. And Jesus says, your sins are forgiven. You know, David recognized this. And we're going to talk th- this week about, about all the intimate relationship that God wants with you. David recognized it. And if we go to Psalm 139, David says, you have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue or a thought, you, Lord, know it completely. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. This is a God who is with every, each and every one of us at all times. Why did he make that, that this things this way? Because he wants a relationship with each of us. We're all his children. We're all wonderfully and fearfully made. It says, but you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book. Search me, God. Know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me. And lead me to the everlasting. That's the kind of relationship that God wants with you. He wants to to know you intimately. He wants wants the Holy Spirit to dwell in you. And to guide you. And to search you. But you have to make time. You have to rest. You have to know when to spend time with him. And how to spend time with him. If we look at uh, Galatians chapter 4 verses 4 through 7. We see that God places Jesus' Son, he we are adopted into His family. We are adopted into His family and He and we call Him Abba. That is such a very special word that Paul writes. Abba. The only thing equivalent in English is daddy. That's the kind of relationship that God wants with us is Abba Father, Daddy. I want to be with you. I want to spend time with you. And that's why he knows each and every hair on our head. Now, for me, that's not so difficult. But for some of us, it's very difficult. I'm follically challenged, you may have guessed. Uh, but, But he wants to know everything about us. And he wants to spend that time. And he wants us, remember what we started with in that chiasm? Whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and whoever humbles himself will be God. Well, God does want you to be proud about something. He wants you to be, bo- boast about something. He wants to be proud about you to be proud about something. If we go to Jeremiah nine twenty three, this is what the Lord says: Let not the wise boast of their wisdom, or the strong boast of their strength, or the rich boast of their riches. But let the one who boasts uh, about this that they have the understanding to know me, that I am the Lord who exercises kindness, justice, and righteousness on earth, for in these I delight. Declares the Lord. We're going to talk about how God wants to have an intimate relationship with each and every one of you, everyone that can hear my voice. He wants to have the most intimate relationship. God is love. He wants to have a romantic relationship with you, not in the sense that that we often think of it. Intimacy is far beyond that. You know, Jesus compares himself to the bridegroom, and we see in Matthew 25 where the ten virgins... And this oil of intimacy that I'm talking about, how they filled their oil. The oil represents the Holy Spirit and the kind of relationship. And five of those virgins in Matthew 25 had their oil filled and they were ready for him to come. We want you to be ready for him to come too. He's coming back and we want you to be ready for him to come and ready to have had that intimate relationship. So he doesn't tell you what he says to the five that weren't ready. I don't know you. No, we want him to say, well done, my good and faithful servant. And if you have this kind of intimate relationship with him, your life can change. You know, if you don't believe me about what how God wants to spend time with you alone, just look at the Bible. Throughout the Bible, we see in Mark 135, Jesus, he arose and went out and departed to a lonely place, praying there. He went into the wilderness at the beginning and went off by himself, separated by himself. He went off and prayed. And we see that again in Mark 6. We see it in Mark 14. We see it in Luke 4. We see it in Luke 5. We see it in Luke six twelve. And, and it, it was at this time that he went off to the mountain to pray and he spent the whole night in prayer to God. You know, Jesus even told us how to pray. You know, we consider the most intimate things when we go off with our spouse and we go in and we get away from the kids and we go in and we close the door and we lock the door and we spend time alone well, God wants alone time with you too. I'm reading from Matthew 6, verses beginning in vi- chapter 5. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father. He wants that kind of closed door, intimate relationship with each of us. That's what we're going to talk about, and I hurried through it today. But we love you at New Covenant Church, Greater Heights. But more importantly, God loves you more than you can possibly imagine. Good night and amen.